Welcome back to What's the Buzz. It's been a week and a half with the Arbic and DPI now announcing that unfortunately the Varroa battle has been lost and we are to live and manage Varroa. We sit down with Steve, Steph and Simon from Save the Bees and discuss what does this mean for the beekeeping industry in Australia. Hi, and welcome back to What's the Buzz. It has been a week and a half since we last touched base, and we have our special guests on. I've got Steph from the Urban Bee Co. How are you, Steph? Hi, good. I've got our two favourite guests. I have Simon from Save the Bees and Steve Fuller. Uh, Welcome on, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us again. Yeah. Thanks, Alison. It's been, it has been a week and a half since we touched base. And the last time we did talk, um, we were all a little disappointed that the Arbic and DPI hadn't called off the euthanization. So I believe it was Wednesday, um, this time last week, that they did a 180 and they have now um, said, look, Varroa is beyond our control now. Um, we're going to move to management phase. What does all of this mean, Steve? Uh, look, that, that's, the, that's the biggest problem at the moment because there was no plan B, plan C or plan D in place or even thought about. From the word go, we were going to eradicate this and that's it. So mm-hmm. what does management look like? Where are we going? This over the next couple of months is going to change slow and steadily, but hopefully for the better. Um, so first off, all all areas have gone, you might as well say, to a green or a yellow in New South Wales. So the Sydney Basin, uh, Hunter Valley, it's a suppression um, area, I think it's called now, um, and also the Kempsey. And that the reason being is the might count in those areas is just too high to bring bees out of, whereas the rest of New South Wales... Mm-hmm. has been deemed hopefully pretty free at the moment. So that's the first step. Um, you can take bees into those areas, but you can't bring bees out. You mm-hmm. can bring apiary product, products out, but they have to be treated in a certain way. They also, um, um, like stickies or anything like that, if your shed's in those areas, has to be treated as well to bring them back out. But the beauty or the main point, you might as well say, of this whole thing is it's given some guys and girls certainty again about having bees. Mm-hmm. You, can have, you can have your bees back in those areas. And, look, I take my hat off. I thank everyone who um, went through the loss of their bees mm-hmm. um, for taking one for the industry. We had to have a go but it didn't have to last for 15 months. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite devastating, the impact. Now, um, one thing I do want to touch on is that um, some people, you know, have asked me why were they killing bees up until, you know, the announcement. Now, um, you know, is that something that, you know, what, why was that allowed or are, are they are still continuing to euthanize with, you know, payment as such? So the point being is you're dealing with two different things here. When government bodies have something on their books, they must continue on that plan until 
there's an actual halt put there. Okay. Whereas if it's a private industry, the boss can turn around and say halt. So with government, you've got so many levels to before someone will say, no, nah, all right, I want to pull the pin. Mm-hmm. And while ever that pin is not pulled, they keep on marching forward. Mm, okay. Right? So that's that's the one thing that people have got to understand. So if they'd stop, say, oh, well, um, it, on Monday, let's say they turned around and said, let's stop killing mm-hmm. euthanizing hives. And then Wednesday, the decision was made to continue euthanizing. That's what the, that's the dilemma. They'd lost a couple of days' work. Work um, exactly. And then I did see um, on one of the pages on the DPI's page someone who worked on the fipronil baiting stations, and he said, "I was promised three years' work, or something, yep. or a long-term work, and now they're backflip. Right. So now I'm not going to have a job. So I yep. don't know if they found a position for some of those people, but." Um, yeah, like there's people a bit different to us out there that um, that aren't exactly on the save the bees, you know, mindset and 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 more worried about the income that they're earning. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. Obviously, well, obviously they were, so they were getting paid to go and euthanise bees. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or even the people who are manning the baiting stations, the people in old baiting stations. Um, I saw, I've seen back backlash from those people um that it's gone into management and um yeah obviously that's just a case of people caring about themselves but um yeah that's that's really selfish isn't it well it's um i i just you know like i i know um Steve said earlier we had to give it a go. Um, we had to give oh, try definitely. something. But no, well, I I don't know if if I I can't I I don't agree that the DPI's done a very good job at all. Um, and I'm not going to be sort of nice about um, nice with my words in regards to how the whole thing was rolled out. Like I don't think they found the perimeter of where the mites was. They didn't announce that it had been here longer than what they thought. I think the poisoning of people's hives should have come down the track. I think they really rushed into the killing. It was like a bloodthirsty emergency to go into these areas and, and kill. Simon, Simon, just before you go on, can, mm. I, can I just butt in and say, you know what? What you're actually saying was what I was arguing. So I totally agree. You keep going. Please. Yeah, yeah. So, and it seemed I, I saw guys from America saying the same thing. It's like you've got to find how outreaching the mite has gone. You definitely, and I know we've spoken about this before, but you definitely have to keep some type of standstill. Um, whereas, you know, they they I remember being in shock when they announced they're opening up under this permit system. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned yet how ineffective the alcohol washes. I think we've said that a few times. Um, and Steve's mentioned that, that they could have given um, the miticide strips, which is in the 90%, whereas alcohol washes, um, some, someone said an early mite count, you might only have a 3% success rate in, in testing the mites. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there was. I, I just think it was terrible that... Um, there was this, you know, thirst to, to do the killing um, and it was promoted so heavily. And 
they also, you know, I'm, I'm, it seemed a bit sporadic for me where they were doing the killing. Like it was like they were concentrating on the central coast where most of the um, popular, you know, most of the residential or amateur beekeepers would have been. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the fact that a lot of them had stationary hives. I just think it would have been perfect to create a buffer, a research zone, work out whether the mite had gone, you know, further than what we thought or, or be perfectly sure before we started any of the killing. And um, to think it's $130 million or something being spent on this. And there's there's been no... We still don't know what management looks like. No. Yeah. And, like, where do I start? Like, I go right back to the start, Simon. Mm. Now, I was involved from day one. So the first, whenever something like this happens, it takes you a couple of weeks to really get a grasp on how you're going to respond, how you're going to do this. Like... Um, we, we've never had, this is the biggest incursion or the biggest biosecurity threat or an incursion in Australia's history. So first off, what we should have been doing is possibly, uh, I think the plan was written in about 2011, but every so often, every three years, I believe could be five years, whatever, we should have a trial run to see are we still up to date with the plan that was put in place back then. All right, so first off, we thought we had a plan. So fast forward it to 2022. So that plan's been sitting there for 11 years. It's never been trialled. Now, the we're pushing sugar shakes hmm. and we're getting mic counts of 40 plus out of a sugar shake. And then we're told, oh, do alcohol washes. So we bought every methylated spirits held by bunnies throughout Newcastle, all every disposable coverall, every rubber boot and disposable gloves. Bunnies was out of stock in Newcastle. Wow. Now, if this had been a, a um, something like Pebola or something that is really deadly to humans, we were up shit street, mm. right? Yep. So, so then we, we keep going. We, we after a couple of weeks, um, we we didn't even have a headquarters. We we're working out of the mines office in Maitland. Um, then to give you an idea, we had one person turn up with a mite sample. Um, we were told to bring it in. Comes in, someone escorts her all the way into the building. Next minute, the building shut down. She's brought a jar full of petrol into a building. It's a bomb. Holy shit. So we had to shut the whole building down. And this is the sort of things because we we had no idea of what we were dealing with. Yeah. Right. And look, I, I, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone, but I think some scenario training in those situations would have been a lot easier handled. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward again, we then say sugar shaking is no good go to alcohol washers, but we've run out of alcohol. So, oh, gee whiz, petrol do the same thing. So we wash in petrol. There's one problem. 
Petrol destroys the DNA of the varroa mite. So mm. now we can't do the genealogy of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're, so that's got to stop. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about the miticide strips, we had none here in the country. Oh. That's why we couldn't use them. Because they had, so they had a plan, but they yes. didn't think of getting miticide strips well, at all. They've only got a shelf life. Oh, uh, but what, okay, see, that's, yeah. Don't they put um, strips in the um, surveillance hives? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they only buy a couple of packets, not mm-hmm. thousands of them. Yes, yeah. yeah, I suppose, right. yeah. Yeah, so th- there was. There was a mad rush. We, we ended up getting um, a couple of cartons air freighted straight across and things like this. But this is what I'm saying. People don't realise that, um, yeah, we'll get a box. Oh, well, that's four or five strips. That four or five strips does the surveillance hive 12 months. And that's yeah. the thing. So, But anyway, we finally got them over. But then we couldn't get them shipped around the around the state where we needed them because trying to get stuff moved out of certain areas to other areas was a logistics nightmare. There was no couriers. Right. I brought stuff back home with me because we couldn't get a courier out of Orange um, to Grafton. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are the things. So like, there's a lot of people that done things privately to make it happen, but. Simon, to answer your question is yes. Uh, miticide strip is 97% more accurate. So, but it really needs to be in there for five or six days. Now, yeah, yeah and so they're only leaving them in for two days. So yeah. it's not really getting around the hive. Interesting, very yeah. interesting. And do you think someone needs to really go over all of this, Steve? Do you think there's got to be an inquiry into what really happened? Well, that's my biggest point. There's got to be an inquiry. Why? Because at the moment, and I keep on saying it's a scare campaign, we hear about this deadly varroa mite. Show me. Show me a hive that the varroa mite has killed. Uh Okay. And and have you like, um, yeah? Has there have you seen one that's been killed? No. Because you you have seen, and I don't know if you were there, but I have been told that there were areas where the mite counts were extremely high, and no. someone said one one area seemed like the hives were abandoned. Is that correct? Were were they abandoned because of small hive beetle or because of mite? We will not know because they were... But the bees were still alive? Yes. Yeah. I know of some abandoned hives that the bees were still alive and they'd been abandoned by... This bloke even admitted it could have been up to five years since he'd seen them last. Oh, Oh, wow. But there's many reasons why a hive will abscond, you know what I mean? Like they'll abandon their hive. There are so many different reasons. It doesn't have to always necessarily mean... Um, it's because of the mite. And right. um, like I myself, like one of my hives was poisoned by another yeah. beekeeper, right? And all it took to get my hive to abscond that hive it was a little bit of dish soap and a water, whack it in the top, bam, a whole huge hive absconded because of, because of it. Yep, yep. No, oh, exactly. Um, so it's something it, I was, uh, I'll continue, Steph. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. No, 
Um, another thing I was wondering, and um, and this seems a bit sort of left field, but do you think that some of those bees, because they had such high mite counts, might have been mite resistant? We'll never know. Now, now, okay, there's no such thing as mite resistant. Or, or hygienic traits that That's make exactly them... right. Hygienic traits. So, in other words, they're very, they're very good at grooming. They're very good at something else. We also, there's been a few points of, um, let's say, um, it's a bit like um, uh, camphor laurel and moths don't like the smell. There's been a bit of a study going towards eucalyptus. So where the where eucalyptus leaves are or smoke's been around that the mites don't like. Um, or uh, an area where it's hot and the, the eucalyptus oil is in the air. And things like this, there's a lot of things there. So at the moment, what I said before about there has not been a box of bees or a hive of bees in Australia yet killed by Varroa. That's because we don't have the viruses. Mm-hmm. Right. There has, and the thing is, one of one of my biggest arguments from most probably week three, week four was why are we killing healthy managed hives? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, now, yeah. And and were you are you were you ordered to be part of that? With like, were you reluctantly? Um, sort of facilitating the DPI's efforts? Well, I, I as an industry leader, you've got to tread a very, very fine line, mm. right? And being president of the state at that time, and as I said, we had to have a go at it. Um, to get the feeling of the state, um, I issued a, a survey of my members to see how they felt. It come back overwhelming as continue with eradication, so I had to support it. Um, it's not that I was a, against eradication. What I was against was eradicating healthy bees. Yeah. Now, as I said, if you've got a healthy hive in your backyard and it's surveilled today the correct way, and then I come back in either three weeks or six weeks, so you need to leave brood cycles go through. So, in other words, the cycle is three weeks. So if you come back in three weeks or six weeks and you test it again and mites turn up, does that tell you that it's spreading or you know what I mean? Like it, you know where that hive is. Yeah, exactly. It's a surveillance hive that was same and everyone's happy. Like yeah. no one was sad to see a, a, a load of mites get destroyed. It's like being humane to a sick animal that you can't save. Yeah. Right. And but when you're you've got a perfectly healthy hive or you you feel it's healthy, you can't see the mite, no mites detected, and then you come back and and yeah, that's it. The problem is they killed the managed hives. But our problem was the feral hives. We don't know where the feral hives are. I have seen feral hives, people will call you in and say, oh, can you remove this hive? And yeah, oh, yeah, no worries. And you'll open up a wall um, of an old, like a shed or something like that. And they've been there for years. Mm. Now, the thing is, you don't know where they are unless you want to, I, I, look, 
look at some of the studies, and I think they said it's about 96, 97 hives, feral hives, per hectare. Mm. That's a massive amount of bees. It's a huge amount of bees. Right. So, but if I use my managed hives, and then everyone's doing their little bit. It's a bit like, let's go back a lot of years, and we don't want to go back to World War II years, but years, but the thing is, you had people doing Coast Guard. Why? Because we didn't have a system. We didn't go and shoot everyone off the coast and say, well, move away from the coast so in case the enemy come. We kept those people there as sentinel guards. Yes. So you keep a healthy box of bees there because you know where it is. It is our surveillance. Now, if you find rower on it, see how it performs. That's where you can say, oh, this queen has got good hygienic or bad hygienic. We, we could have traits that we lost that could have made beekeeping so much easier here in Australia. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We've lost those bees. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was getting at before because, um, you know, if, if these bees were surviving those high mite counts, you know, there yep. might have been something special about them and... And, and, um, and some of these yeah, we've just destroyed them. That's right. We've destroyed them. Just wiped that genetics out straight away. And some of these were recognised queen breeders. We lost all, like we lost fifty percent of Plan B at Tocal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, there was no mites detected. It's and like vast could... harvest. You know, they're out in the middle of um, nowhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I can't even pronounce the Steph. What's what's the area? Can you pronounce that? I think it's Garvin, Garvin, Gar- Garvin. and yeah. um, you know they, now they got targeted with mind-blowing. Yeah, it is, it is, yeah. and I can guarantee. I reckon in three weeks' time they would have found no mite count at all because they are on such amount of property that it just you know to lose all their hives, um, just oh heartbreaking. It, heartbreaking. it was an emergency, yeah. It, it's just this kill emergency. It, it reminded me. Of you know, a bit about the insanity at the start of COVID. It was just this fear. And on the beekeeping pages, the people ripping each other to shreds, um, you know, trying to blame blame someone who didn't have their hive registered. You know, none of the feral hives are registered. Like having a hive not registered is not the thing that's going to cause the issue. Um, And you're going to turn people off registering your hives by the, you know, this, Irrational killing that you're doing. Um, Uh, Simon, you're right. Like, look, we were not worried about uh, unregistered hives. So the first month of the incursion, there was 571 new registrations. Mm. Right? It just showed you how many unregistered hives out there. That was not the problem. What we wanted was people to come forward and say, yes, I've got a hive. It's when they turned around and started killing. Uh, you are going, I'm sorry to keep using this, but you're going back to World War Two. If someone said, if you were in Germany and you were a Jew, no one questioned it, bang, you were gone. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, this is the whole problem. The thing is that, that I strongly still believe that they went around that whole area wrong. You have to keep your... Um, once again, it's a fine line, but you have to work together. And when you when you're getting um, bashed or victimised for not doing something, 
that is not detrimental, like not having, it's not good having an unregistered hive. Let me say that. But it wasn't going to kill the bee industry. So the thing is, it drove, once Once they heard, and this is what we're hearing now, if, or why part reason we went to management, was, okay, I find Varroa mite in my operation. And all of a sudden, I'm going to lose all my operations. We're seeing it happen here on Kempsey. So blokes will turn around, and sorry I've been saying blokes all the time, I say, guys. Yeah, you call us guys. We're the part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but guys, like, guys yeah. then turn around, find Varroa, and go, well, I not lose my business. I'm not losing 20 years of hard work. I'm not, I won't tell anyone. It makes the problem bigger. The thing is, Varroa mite, as I come back to what I said, Varroa mite has not killed a hive here in Australia yet. Where a small hive beetle, will kill your hive within three days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, I know the small hive beetle, the further south you, you go, is less of a problem. But here in the, the subtropics, um, yes, uh, it, is, it is really hard to deal with. But on the other hand, we want to thank our lucky stars that we don't have trapolalos. Oh, so yeah. we 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 we're, we're focusing so much on varroa mite. We have still got very dangerous and sorry, they're also billing varroa as the deadly, the deadly. Like you watch them walk around with all these spears and things like this, and see a bee, and ah, that bee's dead. Varroa mite's not like that. As I say, varroa mite has not killed a hive. Yeah. Yeah, so I've killed more hives than Provide. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. And healthy hives. Yeah. So ultimately, the thing we've got to do, and we're talking about management a little bit, we've got to find out that if we import semen, and I know these studies are being done, will that bring viruses with it? Yeah. If it does, then that means that we cannot bring a semen into this country with a virus. Yeah. Right? So if we can protect Australia and keep the viruses out, Varroa is quite relatively easy to live with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The other thing is that we can't let our guard down on other biosecurity pests or pathogens that could possibly come into Australia at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. we can't lose focus. We can't focus too much on Broa while we're phasing into this management stage that something could sneak in the back door and kick our bum again. Yeah. yeah. So with the management phase, um, what? so what? what is the plan moving forward now that we've the idea is: Are we still in lockdown? Are the states, as we say, is there still no movement in from New South Wales into Queensland, apart from those with permits? What's the situation? My understanding is that Queensland's gone hard. Mm-hmm. So when I say Queensland's gone hard, it means no, no bees, no apiary products, no honey, nothing is allowed across the border. Okay. I have asked for clarity on that because Capilano who, mm. sorry, Simon, um, is in based in Queensland. And I have guys that send honey up there. Beechworth 
is in Victoria, and the Victorian border border is hard as well. Mm-hmm. South Australia's so, in one sense, there is some packers in New South Wales, yes, but ultimately, <clears throat> your two biggest ones are interstate. Mm-hmm. So, but no one can give me clarity, and they're saying, "Oh, that'll come out with the new order once we get through the interim order, which we're in at the moment." Then we'll have the actual order. So sterilisation of gear at Sterotech, um, possible sales, possible honey flows, all that sort of stuff is um, supposed to be a little bit on hold. Uh, I did hear the other day, though, that Victoria are allowing bees from certain areas across only so far in the Victoria, but I'm still to substantiate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think all states are a little bit worried. Um, I was in a meeting the other day when the CEO told me that uh, Victoria will have rolled by February next year. Wow. Wow. So, you know, um, I hope that is not correct. But, um, yeah, these are all things that we've got to slow it. So talking management again. We've got to slow the spread. That's the first thing. Yeah. How yeah. do you do that? Simon brought up a really good point, and this is one thing we were working on uh, very early days. We were trying to find that outside edge. And I feel that people kept taking their eye off the gold, and when they found an IP, they'd focus on that IP and forget about Gee whiz, we need to jump another 10 kilometres down the road and start testing there. Yeah. And not like, yeah, they were just going next door to next door. Like we need to leapfrog larger tracks to try and find that border. And because if today what we've seen is if people were right on the edge of the purple or the blue zone, and in those days even the yellow zone, they started moving away. So we were chasing the runaway dog. Mm, yeah. Right. Very and this is why we never it was just why we never found the edge. If we'd found the edge, then we could have come back in and possibly removed them, but Yeah. Never worked that way. No, no, it didn't. And it was the mass movement of hives that, you know, I really think yep was the uh, knife in the coffin, so exactly. to speak. Yeah. 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 And yeah. It's just devastating. The the whole the whole thing is just devastating. And one thing I wanted to raise was that last time we spoke, I said that we were going to have our special guest Danny on, um, but that never came to be, guys. So, um, and that wasn't on my behalf. I just wanted to drop that as well. <laughs> so, yeah. um, um, well, that's a, yeah. I, I think um, Steve brought that up too. Like, it's not your role to be doing all this communicating um, to the yeah. public, Steve. But you've had to do it because yep. there've been crickets coming from Arbic um, and the DPI. I think yeah. when it first started, they did do a weekly summary and. You know, quite often when they put up their their posts about it, you know, a lot of the posts would have comments turned off. You know, how yep. fancy turning comments off off a post on a topic like this? Valuable information could be coming in. Um, 
Yeah, like the more I think about it, like I don't know how they could have done any done worse in in relation to having access to um, your submission to Parliament. You know, there were several others I read, and it's like they ignored it all. And um, and yeah, it's um, lobbyists, whether they're within Arbic or. you know, in other industries, um, it got got their way. And even the year before, I was listening to ABC Radio and the Armand Board or someone representative was talking and and he, he was like, well, no, we need New South Wales bees. Um, they're coming to Victoria. This was in 2022, 20, but fortunately there was, a, I think, a border closure then. But it did, um, yeah, I, I don't know how how we could um, warrant killing bees in one area and then allowing Varroa to be moved um, legally with this permit system. I, I just, yeah, it, it upsets me um, that that was allowed to happen. Well, Simon, I'm going to say this. You just hit a key point. So Varroa was found in June, sorry, Varroa was detected in June 2022. So we had June, July, August is the start of almond season. Mm. So, all right, we only had the two months to do that, and that was pretty hard. But then August, September is your almond. It's finished. Then we had 12 months, and you know what? Here we go again. It's just like I was saying, oh, don't worry about it. That's next year. We'll concentrate that on next year. They should have been discussing how they were going to do the almond pollination if the incursion eradication system or plan was continuing in 2023. Mm. It never happened. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, it's almonds next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, okay. They need the bees. We'll let you go. Yeah. It just seems like... It's a mismanaged mess, and this is what Simon said. We need some sort of, um, you know, inquest, really. (laughs) Yep. You know, because the people need answers to this, and a union as such, because the smaller beekeepers, we don't have a voice, and it's, again, like the COVID situation. I don't need to throw it in there, but we've lost faith. Everyone has lost faith and it's divided the industry now. And even now that management has been called, we have found it's still dividing beekeepers. People are pointing fingers at each other like, you know, it's your fault, it's your fault, or we've lost it, we've lost lost the fight now and watch the industry go down and it's it's not good. Well, we just try to have to keep the narrative truthful and we can't have the government um, or Arbic say um, it, it, it blame beekeepers for, you know, the results that transpired. It, it, it was Exactly. It, yeah, totally yeah, agree. And, and um, yeah, with like logic, you know, it, it's um, of course humans don't comply. You know, bees don't comply either. Um, because you know they do things their own way. So, in knowing that, if that was one of the trigger points, well, the the, the killing should have never started in the first place. That's right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you know, so, yeah. and, and the communication 
was absolutely woeful. It is it, it, exactly right. As soon as you don't have communication and people have got nothing but whatever's going around, fear-mongering, social media, that, that no one's certain if it's true or anything, exactly what Simon said. When we first started, we started off every couple of days. We had this update, update. Um, I tried to get it that every Friday there would be an update. That way it would give people a bit of freedom for the weekend and then another one on Monday morning, right? Mm. Uh, never eventuated. It, so to me, I'm sorry. I, I, I just think, and I'm not pointing at any one side, but there is so many mis-leadership, bad leadership, whichever way you want to call it, I don't care. But all I can say is we need to take this as a lesson because if foot and mouth come in tomorrow, I tell you what, that's going to be people seeing thousands and thousands of cloven animal cloven foot animals slaughtered under the system like this we'd be all vegetarians next week yeah yeah and um, yeah it's it's something so what's happening with the fipronil baiting stations where, where <laughs> yeah what, what's what's the situation with that what's the management of that <laughs> oh this is this is the best play on words i've heard um, they're now called um what are they? Monitoring stations. Oh, right. So apparently, yeah, once again, and this is like we hear that Simon hit on it. He said like, yeah, like, okay, the, everything was supposed to stop. The euthanizing is supposed to stop. But you can still, if you're in a red zone, you can say, no, I still want my hives euthanized. Right. The bait stations were supposed to be um, removed. Now, what they're doing is using them. As I said, they're a monitoring station now. So if a bee comes in, they grab that bee and examine it for raw. All right. So it's, you know, euthanization with purpose. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's well, only they're one not, bee. Um, so, they're so... not putting fipronol in there. Is that correct? Uh, I, I haven't heard them putting fipronol. They're catching the bees when they're coming in and examining them at the station. They're only feeding them sugar. That's all I've heard. Yeah. And I'm surprised they're taking sugar this time of year, but I guess... Um, well, we're right. in a real dry season. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we are really... We we need rain to get the trees to actually flower. For, for this time of the year, we should be seeing a lot of trees flowering, but it is a very dry time. It's... Um, uh, dangerous for bushfires, of course, but um, the Ooh, flowers. Yeah, we've got just... a bad one here at the moment. Uh, apparently, flagstone's been hit real bad. Yeah. 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 So, and that's going all along the East Coast. So, um, yeah, like at the moment, that's the only reason why they're taking it at this time of the year. There's a bit of iron bark, there's a bit of mugger iron bark out west, but the bees aren't going to fly five, six hundred kilometres to go to a tree. So, yeah, um, they're still surveilling. Um, I know DPI are still uh, euthanizing. They're saying hives with Varroa mite detected in them, uh, but that is up to the person. 
Um, my hives have been surveilled this week only because another mite load has de was detected close to mine. Uh, but once again, no communication to me. They never rang me and said, we're going to surveil your hives because we found um, roll mite within three kilometres of your hives. So what, they just showed up or? Yeah, just showed up. What? And put mitocides in your hives or? Yep. Yeah, they've mm -hmm. done that uh, four times this week. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had one, like one was on a on an orchard and uh, the grower rang up pretty angrily and said, why did you rip me down? And I said, I didn't even name myself. Yeah. Um, and then I went to move bees the next, um, oh, last night. Yeah, last night. And we got a phone call yesterday saying that, oh, the strips will be out next week. And I said, why are they in there? So these hives have been um, uh, checked and... Um, ready to go into a pollination job. So now I've got to go and find other hives. So it's all still going on. So there's a lot of stuff, but um, yeah, I, I'm over the non-communication or, yeah. um, and I'm overhearing Varroa might were found on the 22nd of June. Like I, I can, I can repeat it for word for word. I've heard it that many damn times now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, like, give us the facts, tell us the truth, and be up front, and I think that would make a lot more people happier. I agree with you 100%. And it feels like what they're doing is a, oh, just need-to-know basis, you know, because I yeah. think behind the scenes, yep. they're scrambling. They don't even know themselves yep. um, how to treat this and that anger in the beekeeping area is just, as you said, we've touched on this a few pods ago, it has divided us. It's, yeah. it's divided oh, yeah. this industry and it's really sad. It's so sad because it's us versus them or them versus us and it shouldn't be this. Or it's even just lack of education. Like mm. there are mm -hmm. so many people where in Queensland hasn't hit us yet. Well, who knows? Who, who, who really knows? Mm -hmm. Um, so many people are already trying to sell their hives because yeah, they're so fearful and there's no education around it. Do you know what I mean? It's so feared that, oh, my God, you're going to watch your girls die because Varroa is just going to wipe them out. There's no education. Um, and whoever is going around, I, I know he's going around and saying it, but this one, this one freaking paperwork that's saying 50% of your hives, you lose them every season which is made up on lives. You know, I've been speaking to so many beekeepers overseas that are doing this, that are managing this, and it's under 10% hive losses, you know. Like, so one article that is based upon money um, for hive losses, you know, in one, <laughs> in one country is getting around fear-mongering so many yep. people to the point where we're not even educating ourselves or each other on ways that we can manage this naturally or like, or just, just helping the girls. Like there's so many different options you can choose um, to try and people are giving up before they're even starting. And it's, it's sad to see that, you know, people are blaming people like us that are fighting for management, saying that it's our fault. And then now they're saying, now I'm selling my hives because I can't watch my girls go through that. And you're like, what? 
You yeah. haven't even given it a shot and it's nowhere, you know, well, fingers crossed, it's nowhere near us yet. But on our pages, just beehive, 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 for sale, for sale. Like people are just going crazy without even trying to educate themselves. Yep. And it makes you so angry that why are people not even seeking education? Like why are they not trying to educate themselves? They're just listening to all this fearful crap yep. and rolling with it. And you're like, you, well, kind of you are the problem. Like, do you know what I mean? Like but- if you're not out there to, to gain more knowledge on something you have such an interest in, what are you doing? <laughs> but Steph, can I, can I say, like I touched on it before. Right, we've talked about small hive beetle. Okay, so let's go back in onto the genu- like back into um, the life cycle of the small hive beetle. It's a, an opportunic pest, so we can live in the hive for months and months and months. You'll crack the lid, you'll see them scurry. For every one you see scurry, there's about five you will not know of. So if you see ten hive beetle at the, on the top bars there'll be at least 50 more in the hive that you wouldn't even know about. So what happens, the bees come out in the hot days and these to get the bees out. And all that, that hive beetle is after is the brood. It's after the um, pollen that the bees have brought in and the larvae. It's not even interested in the honey. But they shoot an enzyme into the honey that putrefies it which drives the bees out so the hive beetle can get to the larvae and brood so that's one the other thing and and it's you see posts once again all over social media of what's this in the bottom of my box yeah well you see it in the tray and if people don't know and comes back to what you just said education yeah hive beetle is so easy to live with so long as you're educated. Okay, let's jump to another one. AFB. AFB. We find one cell of AFB. We don't just cut that cell out and put the frame back in. Once we got AFB in a hive, that hive is dead. Yeah. Right. And not only that, that hive now is actually active for the next X number of years. So no other bees can ever be put in that until that hive is sterilised or burnt. So here again, people are worried. It's like, what, it's what, how do we manage pests and diseases? Through education. How, yeah. do we do, how do we deal with Roa? Through education. Exactly what you're saying. There is ways to do this. If you've got 10 hives and you cannot manage them properly. You shouldn't then, have 10 hives. That's right. <laughs> Educate yourself to what you can control and what you can handle, and varroa mite is not a drama. Yeah, exactly. And that comes into the fact of we should have given our girls a red hot go, you know. And oh God, yeah. Touched on with the eucalyptus and that's um, right. And the fact that I think you said our girls are amazing at grooming themselves because you know we're the yep. ladies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, now the latest one is grapefruit leaves. Yeah, I've seen that. Grapefruit leaves. Yeah. Rhubarb. Rhubarb leaves. Yeah. Um, Thyme. So there's lots. Yeah. So there's lots of things out there. It's all about education. And this is the thing. Like, we find the right thing. And you've got your one hive or you've got your flow hive. And you go down there every couple of months and you give them a puff of 
whatever leaves, so long as they're not marijuana with a lot of THC. <laughs> um, hey, they'd be feeling pretty groovy. Actually, <laughs> fun like, fact, hey. bees can't get high. They don't have the, is it the THC receptors? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I guess you you could puff them. <laughs> so I, I was just expecting that if you puff them with some uh, marijuana, they'll all of a sudden you'll hear some Pink Floyd and like welcome <laughs> all the parole. Like, hey guys, how you doing? Got Dark Side of the Moon playing. <laughs> got munchies. We got lots of honey. <laughs> yeah. But no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah and you're right. It's education. Yeah. It is all about the education, and and that's um, something we just need to keep telling people to stop fighting. Yeah. Educate yourself, <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Um, is what I don't understand. If you get a dog, you educate yourself on every aspect of taking care of that dog. If you are into a hobby, you educate yourself on every aspect of that hobby to be good, right? Yeah. Same as if you get cattle, or if you get a bird or if you get a reptile, you do all the amount of educating for yourself to make sure that animal, that hobby, that object, that job is done to the best of your ability. So all these people crapping on, Mm. um, if they really genuinely care about their bees, they will educate themselves. It is not that hard. In today's society where there is YouTube, there is Instagram, there are so many learning tools that people can go to, it is so easy to educate yourself. Well, even, like, I don't know if you have responses to to this cast, but, you know, if someone come back with a question, I'm sure, like, the four of us are happy to turn around and point them in the right direction. Oh, yes. You know, so all this, like this is so we're not just here talking about, we are educators as well. So if, they, if they're in doubt, ask. Or if, if they're really worried, usually find, just find another group of people around their own interests. As you said, like there's, there's beekeeping clubs in just about every town and everything like that, or if there's not clubs, there'll be one or two people who are interested in bees. And these are all areas. Um, Simon, you were going to say something there before, yeah? One thing I, I was interested in, in hearing from you, Steve, is I've heard that um, overseas the, the mites are getting resistant to the miticides, and I'm, I did read somewhere that they even restrict the use of miticides in some countries because of the resistance. Is that yep. correct? Yeah, so because the mite lives off the liver of the bee, so it's a parasitic mite. It doesn't have a liver, and it lives off the liver of the bee so or, or off the fat of the bee. So the problem is it builds up a resistance really quickly, like the first couple of times it does it. So if we don't keep burying it around, it just becomes null and void. Well, this is great for chemical companies, but... Me, and I'll say personally, I I run a certified organic operation. And as I say, do I want chemicals in my hives? No. Now, if I could say to you that, gee whiz, go down to Bunnings or go to your local um, uh, nursery and buy a couple of grapefruit trees and a rhubarb plant. You know, you're going to have half your fruit salad grown in the backyard. 
pluck the leaves and smoke your bees. It's a show. It's apparently showing that there's so many natural things that are, are useful, and they can't become um, resistant to it. So oxalic acid, formic acid, and all that. It's how you do it at the right time at the the day, the temperature. Comes back to education. Yeah. So I don't want chemicals. I'm totally against chemicals. So yeah. yeah so overseas they do. They they all. Um, oh, there's a program. I think New Zealand's got one where you're only allowed to use this one this time and. Uh, you're only allowed to use so many treatments. But you also, if you actually go and have a look at some of the pesticides, herbicides, sorry, not herbicides, fungicides, and so on that you use on um, our crops, you'll see they're in the same boat as well, Simon. Mm -hmm. It says that you can't, a lot of, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can't use twice. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and I've heard from so many beekeepers overseas. There are so many options. There are. I've heard of like reishi mushrooms, like feeding your bees reishi mushrooms. I've heard of soil mites in the forest that eat the varroa mite. I thought that was cool. And yeah. I've heard of people boiling thyme. So they'll boil thyme, strain it, and use the boiled water and two. So it's one cup of um, boiled thyme water with two yep. teaspoons of apple cider vinegar. And when your hive has higher mite counts, you spray that, uh, like a fine mist of that, onto your frames. And apparently the varroa don't like it. Yeah, but um, the problem is, Steph, people want don't have the time, you know. Yeah. I mean? it, it, this all sounds wonderful, but people are all about fast, you know, yep. fast yeah. treatment, and- fast, you know, how, how can I get rid of it quickly? That's that's exactly right, and that that is the killer with rower. It, it's called labour. Yes. Yeah. Right. You just don't have the time. Now, okay. I'm once again coming back to my operation where I'm, I'm running thousands of hives. Like what we've already. Well, I've been setting the business up. My brother and I, we've been discussing this for five years now. Um, We're always trying to be on the front foot so that when something turns up, um, we're not caught off guard. We were caught off guard with small hive beetle and we swore then never again. Anyway, that's okay. So there's a lot of things. So if, if education, the amount of hives, the management of those hives, the labour, and then that can come down to dictate what you want to do. Yeah. And yep. there is there is so much that you can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's something moving forward that we will continue to educate our listeners on in regards to management. Um, we don't want to use chemicals in our hives, myself and I- huge huge advocates of no chemicals so it's something that you know follow us will be uh, spreading as much information as we possibly can Um, because moving forward we've always said it's not a matter of 
um, if Vera comes into Australia, it's when. And the yeah. way I personally see it, maybe Tasmania might be waving the flag to be the last kind of island, possibly free of Varroa, but who knows, right? Well, one, one thing, um, you know, I take my hat off to WA because it seems like they've put a really strict um, border restriction on and they're not accepting any honey products, um, you know, I don't think they all did take any honey from overseas, but now they're not going to have the imported honey to compete with on their show. But oh, they've got a role right there that yeah. they won't tell the public about that we mm. don't even know how dangerous it is. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. you said that on the first pod, Steve. Yeah. Like, yep, yeah. And this is the thing, and, and they've had that borders. You've never, well, I can't remember when it was put in. I think it was with EFB back in the 80s. But, um, yeah, you could never take, you could never sell bees to Western Australia. You could never take bee products to Western Australia. Even if you're in a caravan and you get stopped, they will take it out of your caravan. Yeah. So that's uh, been in for a long time. But they are right. They they need to, to protect their apiary industry. They, make, they need to make sure that their borders are up yeah. to up the stretch yeah yeah locked tight yeah. yeah i think i think the rule to wa in terms of for the big packers and for you know the the low quality imported honey or whether it's honey or not was that you have to cook it at 65 degrees for i don't know three hours or something and um and then you can take it over there um well if you know. if you if you take your honey at 65 degrees for three hours you will <laughs> alter its structure yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what could you could you even call it honey anymore <laughs> no you'd actually yeah you'd be starting to caramelize it yeah exactly yeah so i think yeah well when people go to the supermarket and see that um um really cheap honey like the older yeah. lowry or or the home brand honey or and it looks a bit darker it has probably been cooked um, yeah and so yeah so your standard, your standard table honey now is 45 degrees mm-hmm. for three hours, and that'll stop canning in for two years. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So that's what they do, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, once again, like, see, here's a problem. Because people weren't educated, we'll use that word again, about the the um, having honey go candy just shows you how pure it is. Yeah, I tell people that, but believe oh, it, yeah. I have people come up yeah. to my stall and tell me that their honey went off um, yep. in the and they had to throw it out. I'm like, no! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like the black spot on the apple. It doesn't make the, t- the apple taste any, like, worse. No. Sometimes they're even better because they've, got the, they've been on the, the, the tree a little bit longer and they've got the natural flavours instead of being picked Half right, yeah, yeah, and then being put into chambers and gas and all that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once again, um, we've got this as a consumer, we've got this false idea that honey should look like this and it should taste like that and it should never candy and it should never do that. And this is the falsity <laughs> of it. Like, as I said, like we went from Queensland to Victoria, that we can go from water white, which literally looks like water, 
to black as tar in honey. Yeah. Now, everything in Australia is unique. Like every tree, every vine, every bush, everything has a different taste. And that's what we should be selling it as. Like this is natural wild honey or natural eucalyptus honey, whatever. But no, we need to have that golden, beautiful, you know, non-granular honey. Or we need that nice green apple with a nice shiny coat or the nice red apple, whatever you want to say. Yeah. 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 Where do you sell your honey, Steve? Um, where our certified oh. organic goes to Hive and Wellness. Yep. Yeah. 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 And uh, me and Steph are at markets. <laughs> yeah. Just going to casually drop that in there. <laughs> um, but, yes, well, this has been a great pod um, and I think we might wrap this one up because I think, yeah. you know, in the next kind of week, week and a half, we'll probably have more information and education. But, yes, thank you guys so much again for coming on. Um, you know, it's always I get such great feedback from all of our listeners from learning and being educated. And they, you know what, they appreciate the honesty and it's something mm. that this industry is currently lacking at the moment is honesty and integrity because we just want answers just to be led where to go so simon steve steph i can't thank you guys enough and uh until the next kind of week and a half (laughs) we'll talk to you guys later see you guys